0: By the way, Brother Adam, at this point, you're going to be on the resolutions committee next year. I'm just letting you know.
1: (laughs) Please. Welcome, everybody, to the Tag Your A Podcast. I'm Ray Ray.
0: And I'm David Van Bever.
1: And we're here again to, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess in the spirit of last week, I guess we kind of left off kind of with a cliffhanger. Um, we kind of ran out of time for our evening to record. And so we're going to come back to the same sort of subject material um, tonight. I'm trying to think if there's any really housekeeping going on. Um, mm-hmm just want to
0: point people to the 1st of April, and we probably wouldn't hurt when we talk about the uh, program that we include in there, a link to the God and Government Conference, because we definitely are looking forward to that and being a part of that. Uh, uh, I think our job is to be the uh, moderators for the panel. Isn't that correct?
1: Yeah, so you sit through the whole thing all the awesome speakers that we still need to get the lineup for so we can announce that. Um, it's going to be Brandon Dodd. It's going to be Josh Jenkins for sure. Um, there's going to be awesome food there uh, from Ian. So he's uh, really awesome about uh, getting food and putting food together. Um, so last year was a, was a hit with, uh, with lunch anyway. So it'll be the same from what my understanding is this year, singing Psalms um good, good talk. And we're going to talk about uh, family. Um, that's a major issue. Uh, you got the individual that was created in Adam, right? And then you had Eve brought to Adam because the man shouldn't be alone. They were given the uh, the cultural mandate to, um, you know, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. So we're going to, I think they're getting into that family um, understanding that ends up going this is how we build christendom so remember everything it's called the christendom conference so um you know that's just all about for christendom so what are we what are we going to do um building the next Christendom um, in light of the demolishing of, you know, the first Christendom. And uh, if you don't understand what I just said, come to the conference, you'll um, be able to ask questions. And then that's where Dave and I come in. You're able to ask questions. Uh, we'll moderate that time. And the past two years have been a great time. It was Dave and I, the first year, just me last year, and now we're coming back together again, uh, making this uh, tradition. So I guess from here on out, we definitely have to do it. So I appreciate the
0: invitation. I'm really looking forward to it. I enjoyed the last time and I apologize. Being in another state did kind of impact the way that I had to deal with things last time. I will not make that mistake again or not be uh, in a place where I don't at least ask for help like I kind of needed last time, and I just waited to the last minute. So I apologize about that. But, man, uh, exciting stuff. Now, we have been getting some nice feedback from some of you from our episode on He Gets Us. I know that it is a topic. You see the billboards going down the road. I know that there's some in Kansas City. I don't know if there's any in Springfield, but they're there. The ads are there it's prevalent, people are talking about it, now we're gonna deal with it. And we have at least demonstrated some of the fundamental problems because the vagaries that are being used and the abstract language that is being used opens up the gate in such a way so as to allow some very problematic issues. Again, Christians know that language is important. Words mean something, and therefore the words we use, even in our worship songs. I know a few years ago there was the song that had a lot of – a lot of people were uh, dealing with that. Uh, was the um, – uh, gosh, uh, was it was something about the, the, the foolish love of God. Do you remember that song? Uh, oh,
1: The
2: uh, Reckless.
0: Reckless Reckless love of God, and the criticism, because I think it's important, uh, the criticism is where in Scripture is God's love ever described as reckless, and a particular love of God would be actually much more effective, Um, because no, God's love is not reckless, because God is not reckless, he's intentional, and he's planned, he has decreed everything according to his purpose that's problematic language. Now, some people might not like that we say that that's problematic language, but words mean something. Therefore, in Christian, when, when Christians communicate things to people, the words we use are incredibly important. That's one of the reasons, Adam, why I preach from a manuscript, actually.
1: Well Not because that, I can't. What is, what is yeah. one of the main problems, especially when it comes to textual criticism, is that we're playing the telephone game with manuscripts. So, you know, if that's an actual contention... Um, and, and some and the argument that people use um, in their unbelief, you know to, the, that's the a red herring to that keeps them off the main issue that they know God, that they um, are rebelling and suppressing the truth, um, and that they are they know, right? But they're gonna try to find, well, you know, well, the, we're perpetuating when we use words like reckless, yes. when that really doesn't mean anything, so then that gets perpetuated. So you know it starts here. well, we can we can go back to the other, Song that from like the 60s or 70s, the that you know Jesus dropped the charges. Mm-hmm. A whole generation or two later, now they just think that God winks at sin, and it's like, no, 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 we can't say that he dropped the charges. We have to. But the reason why I make a big point about it's like, no, Jesus took them. So the charges were put on Jesus, and he suffered on a tree according to the law, the way that we should have suffered for our sin. So that's 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 the problem so if we if we don't get words right if we don't make our message clear it can turn into a telephone game in that sense it didn't do that with the text and we can actually do textual criticism to find out that we have all the original texts and we're playing with a uh, as James White would say, you know, 1,100 pieces and a 1,000-piece jigsaw. And we're just tweaking as Bart Ehrman even admits um, being an unbelieving apostate uh, Bible scholar. Anyway, so, you know, that's why these things are important. And we are are we going to hand people over the argument? You know, are we, are we going to let their argument survive? So um, that's why this is important. That's why we need to, you know, I wanted to kind of connect uh, what Dave wanted to talk about tonight, um, but it does connect to where we left off that we didn't get to uh, last week on the podcast about the he gets us movement. And the cool thing is, is like we don't really have to stay with the, he gets us stuff. We can uh, now kind of move and go out to um, put flesh on things. And uh, yeah, you might, I'm not using my normal stuff tonight. So you might be hearing my dog. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. The room, that's how informal it is, but uh, enjoy the munching sounds of my dog while i talk about this uh, serious topic anyway so but yes i i wanted to uh, connect the things because i saw a great connection here and this is why so if uh, if you might have listened to our last episode maybe you didn't really agree with us or whatever and so this actually puts flesh on it so it's not just an abstract we you know dave and i are just talking about uh, slippery slopes and all that kind of stuff um but it's actually um an issue that we must face and it's not just dealing with uh you know it might be easier to say well the mormon jesus is a different jesus of christian orthodoxy the jehovah's witnesses jesus is a different jesus from orthodoxy you know this is going to be one of those very squishy jesuses that can you you're, you're going to be talking with somebody and you're going to be going a lot farther along cuz you're not going to deal with lucifer and jesus being brothers you're not going to deal with the fact that Somebody believes that Jesus was some apparition, um, you know, th- those kind of things. No, this is going to be such an almost right Jesus. And this is where, uh, again, the Charles Spurgeon quote comes along where, you know, you, we've got to discern something that's close to truth from actual truth. So this is really getting into the word of God and what it is that it's that it is sharp enough to Cut through soul and spirit, (laughs) you know, bone and marrow. And so, whenever we get to uh, the final piece of the introduction to He Gets Us, it says that He Gets Us is a diverse group of Jesus followers with a wide variety of faith journeys and lived experiences. Our work represents the input from Christians who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, as well as many others who, though not Christians, share a deep admiration for the man that Jesus was, and we are deeply inspired and curious to explore his story. We look at the biography of Jesus through a modern lens to find new relevance and often overlooked moments and themes from his life. If you'd like to join us, you're invited below you will find several resources to explore the story of jesus for yourself and so i want you to look at some key pieces here it says um they follow jesus um lived experiences that uh, they're on a faith journey they have lived experiences and they're looking with a modern lens these are all a
0: deep admiration not declare christ as the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost but likewise, also, again, new relevance in often overlooked moments. Wait a second. Why not Tota Scriptura? They've yeah. already said, well, we're looking at the biblical Jesus. Wait a second. Overlooked new relevance and overlooked moments and, and themes from his life. We want the whole Jesus, not just a few little highlights. And at least to me, those are very troubling things. And again, deep admiration for Jesus is not going to save you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have to just really be like, this is where we really need to read those words that Jesus said, that not all who come to me saying, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? He says, get away from me, you evil doers. And so this is a very serious issue. We can't be flabby about this. And, you know, like, we're not against having um and inviting conversations. We're not against people being Bereans, but we have to understand where did the Bereans go? Yeah. Whenever they whenever they, they were confronted with Paul. So Paul didn't say, I'm an apostle, and I how dare you not have faith in me? You guys going to the scriptures and reading it and, and cross-checking me? Did he get mad at No, no, he was he was like awesome. Because
2: yeah.
1: that's what Jesus said. He said that they speak of me. And you should find me in them. And Paul comes up with this message and they go, they, they did what the Pharisees and the Sadducees weren't doing. So it's a good thing. So we, we don't want to, we're not trying to squelch conversation. We're just trying to say, you got to have a standard. And uh, that this language is so flabby that it can get anybody. And it's going to bring us in emotionally. And then it's going to lead to us having conversations with somebody that we're going to talk about here in just a second. And uh, how far are you going to get into the conversation before you went too far?
0: Well, and that's the problem there, Adam. And I think you've laid it out really clear, and I hope that others are following us. The problem is that when you say, here are the vague guardrails, these are large guardrails. We've included everybody into this, people who admire Jesus. What you've done is you have partnered with individuals who have not accepted the biblical Jesus that you already said you accepted. In other words, if you accept the biblical Jesus, then everything that Jesus said is the authority. And therefore, when you say, I'm going to go hand in hand in creating this group with people who aren't Christ followers but admire Jesus, you have validated individuals and allowed them to come to the table and have the same or have a discussion that you are basically saying is equally valid to what you are putting forward. And that is extremely problematic, extremely problematic there. Because when you do that, you allow people like Brandon Robertson, who recently appeared on a debate on Apologia Radio. And I would say that because I want you to pay close attention here to what The type of people that you have invited, when you draw the guardrails that large, this is why it's problematic. You validate the words of individuals like this. And here he is. And Adam, I'll stop and pause it when you just tell me. But let's hear what someone like Brandon Roberts, who affirms homosexuality and says that it's a good, loving thing, says pornography is a beautiful thing, says that polyamory is a beautiful thing. It has basically said, I reject the inerrancy and authority of scripture. Here's the type of conversations that we have now validated by drawing those guardrails,
2: deliberation and debate as a follower of Jesus. I uphold the life and teaching of Jesus as my moral example. That's what I seek to conform my life to. I use Jesus's own summary of all of the law and all of the prophets of the Hebrew Bible as my foundational moral principle. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. When I'm making a complex moral decision, the question I ask, which I heard from evangelical preacher Andy Stanley, is what does love require of me?
0: Okay, make sure that you heard that. This man says, I love Jesus. I love what he says. Oh, and Andy Stanley says, what does love require of me? Not God has spoken and made clear moral principles and precepts that are – uh, representation that demonstrate the character of who God is and what holiness and righteousness is.
1: Yeah, no. so it's one of those things. Is So he's saying that Jesus is his moral standard and uh, that he's going to appeal to Jesus to think about, I've got to love God and love neighbor, as Jesus said, because all the law, as he said, hangs on those two. And that's what Jesus said. And so here's one of those things that 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 is correct. Jesus is the standard. Um, He's been given the name above all names. He's the one that has exegeted the father for us. He's the one that made the father that was unknown, known, right? So he's saying all the right things. And so here's what's going to group. So like I talked about a bait and switch, he's going to, he's baiting you in, he's baiting you in, he's baiting you in. You got to ask the question. Okay. So does he mean that? That Jesus is bringing in God's law, as in Matthew 5, is it? you know, don't even begin to think that I've come to abolish the law. I've came to fulfill it. And i got to continue to say, if you think his fulfillment abolishes it, then you've made Jesus a liar and and contradict himself. But so God's law is important here. Um, And so the question is, is this the Jesus that says God has clearly spoken about me in the Old Testament? and I'm going to hold you accountable if I've given you those scriptures to finding me in those scriptures.
0: Give me one second Adam.
1: Clearly enough that you should be looking at, like he told the, basically telling the Pharisees, you should be looking at me right now and knowing exactly who I am by what I am doing because God spoke of it already. And so that's the question that we need to be asking. Can God speak clearly? Can God speak sufficiently? And will we understand it and get it and follow him?
0: Yeah, amen. Because that's what he's going to undercut here, and you'll see. So a person who can say these nice things does not sound like he is a snake oil salesman. Because remember, snake oil looks pretty good and makes some really awesome promises. When you take it, it's just snake oil, and it won't do nothing for you
2: beautiful summary of that verse and that summary of the law and prophets by jesus based on jesus's own teachings and tradition of christian theology i define sin as anything that harms oneself another or god's creation
0: okay is that how sin was ever defined in scripture or was, he uh, says church history he says christian theology No, no no christian theology has a history throughout church history the christian faith What have they seen as moral rights and arms? Never in any church council, and I promise you this, I'd love for you to show me the church council or the confession of faith that says God's moral standards or to act immorally means to harm, harm one of God's creation. That's what he said his moral standard was.
1: Yeah, because I think it was uh, the angel of the Lord that popped somebody's uh, hip out of socket while wrestling with them and did them harm and i think we can do some good new testament priority to figure out that that was jesus wrestling jacob and jesus did harm to jacob so if if we're just going to do this abstract harm thing um then well we can get into eschatology and find out how jesus harms people um but even (laughs) then how do you define
0: harm but even then how do you define harm Who gets to be the one? Do you, Brandon? That's the problem that he never answers in the debate, by the way. And even when it's directly given to him, he never actually provides any type of substantive response for that. Almost every time it is, well, society gets to decide. So then there is no objective. It's always a
1: changing dial. Yeah, I'm sure it hurts Satan's feelings. Well, God's existence harmed Satan just because Satan didn't have the uh, kingdom so we can say yeah. that satan suffered mental harm if you want to use a modern lens
0: i want to make sure that i got that right because i think he said all of god's creation didn't he let's make sure i'm playing this at like 1.5 let, let me make sure that i've got it's 1.25 so i don't want to i don't want to miss this but let, i make sure that i want to make sure that we've actually represented what he said uh sin was or so
2: In jesus's own teachings and tradition of christian theology i define sin as anything that harms oneself
0: another or god's creation boom so sin god send then according to that definition right there adam god send because god created satan according to scripture and god has harmed satan by the way to mm-hmm. get that yeah. god is a, god according to brandon the god of scripture is a sinner.
1: yeah yeah and i guess uh you know god uh also Required in the, uh, you know, with the Abrahamic covenant, that's whenever you have the establishment of circumcision. Is that is that harmful or not? Yeah. And uh, If it's not harmful, then there's a lot of things that are not harmful. If it's harmful, then again, like you can't just make harm. It's not it's not harm. It's God said, be holy for I am holy. That's right. Really, a sum another summary of the law, just like love God, love neighbor is a summary of the law. Be holy, for I am holy, is another summary of the law that is also brought forth in in First Peter as well. So it's brought into the New Testament era. Yep.
0: Well, how about this? When Jesus called Herod, tell that old fox. when He called him a name that probably harmed him and probably made him feel bad. We're using, when, the, modern,
1: using the modern definitions of what harms me and.
0: Yeah, I mean, things. his words were Jesus's words were. Were violent. Acts of made people feel bad. So Jesus also harmed God's creation. You brood of vipers. Oh man. Or how about clearing the temple? Harmed God's creation. Hmm. Or how about the fig tree when Jesus cursed the fig tree and it died? That hurt God's creation. Thank you, Brandon. We now know that the God of the Bible is a sinner.
1: Yeah, Jesus should go to Union Seminary and pray for the trees and say, I am sorry for uh, cursing one of you
2: guys. Yeah. I pair asking, What does love require of me? with, Does this cause harm to myself, to anyone else, or to the world around me? If something does cause harm, I believe it's wrong.
0: Thank you, Brandon. You cleared that up. God has harmed people. God is a sinner. Oh, but you you reject any type of objective reality. You say it might be there. So is contradiction problematic in your worldview? I mean, I, I don't think you have basis from it because you get to pick and choose whatever you want from Scripture. So therefore, your God is a different God because you've now said that God is a center. Therefore, you have fundamentally redefined God and have demonstrated you do not believe in the God of Scripture very clearly.
2: Moral sinful. If it doesn't, then I tend to believe it's moral and permissible. From my vantage point, this is as close as I know how to get to an objective moral standard, while also being intellectually honest. You don't. Have-
0: being intellectually honest. No, you've demonstrated a logical and irrational thought. First of all, you have provided uh, no ability to provide any uh, rational explanation or um, foundation for your arbitrary rules of morality. They might be right, they might not be right. I can't go to the God of Scripture because there is no uh, there is no standard by which I am able to choose what is objectively true and what is not true. I, I get to choose it however I want. You've never provided that in the debate.
1: Yeah, too. Right? And to put it in here, if you go to the uh, apology, I just put it out um, as of this recording on Monday. Anyway, they put it out today. Um, the debate between uh, Jeff Durbin and James White talking with Brandon Roberts here, and uh, he denied that we can we can know an objective standard. Um, and so then that's just whenever you get that, then it's like, well, subjectively, I think so. My opinion is. Um, that there might be an objective standard, but we can't know it or get to it, and then harm is wrong. No, that's just your opinion. Because you don't know if we can get to an objective standard. So you've already, you know, so that with that information in play, then you're subjectively saying all this stuff, and it just becomes your, your opinion is that harm is wrong. And then you might be, a, like, you can do the whole, like, this is where Chris Hitchens got um, as smarter of the man he he was he had to point to the audience going well don't you like this um even in our debate whenever we had a, the uh, the uh, has yeah. christian more harm than good they had to point to the to the audience and say is that the society you want to live in so it's just a, a society based on this is the rules we're going to make and it's just convention it's an opinion and then that's whenever you get mob rule that's whenever you get fascism, that's whenever you get uh, socialism and communism, and then uh, the individual loses um, their identity and melts up into the one, and then you're still into some sort of uh, really societal religious problem because you end up getting rid of God, and then you have to, inevitably, there has to be a God of the system. And so the God of the system and the society that's going to be subjective is going to be um, a God of tyranny. And it's going to be man-ran t- tyranny, and so it's going to be nothing but harmful, because you've rejected the true objective Jesus and his words and what he presupposes, because Jesus uh, came in the fullness of time. He didn't come at the beginning of time, and so there's a lot of presupposition that Jesus brings in with him, and you have to have that correct. That's why Jesus held people to that standard and, and could hold them accountable, yes
2: to agree with this standard you don't have to accept my arguments here but you also shouldn't do what jeff did and claim that i or anyone else cannot make moral claims
1: Are you okay. you already you demonstrated, you, demonstrated you couldn't yeah you have the ability because you have a mouth um you have air rushing through that those, those vocal cords and stuff like that you have the ability to claim whatever you want so like that's an equivocation because you do not logically have the ability to make a claim of objectivity. You can't say something is wrong whenever it's your opinion versus someone else's opinion, because you have no objective standard. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you know, like, I think in the, in the debate also says, like, we're working this thing out, um, like laws are evolving and society's evolving and and i think in this video he talks about how we've created governments and and we're creating laws and we're getting more to and it's like okay but where's the standard that says we have to get there that is that the telos of where we're supposed to be where do we where do we get the telos where do we get the terminus of where we're supposed to be so -hmm. dave and i and jeff and james all get that from scripture there's a worldview involved which it and it starts with first principles and, and origins, and then it ends up like it says that God has declared the end from the beginning. And so there's an end. There's a goal that God has started in, in making this. And so we're not just on a space-time continuum out of random chance molecules It's exploding we're on a a space-time continuum, a covenantal space-time continuum to get from point A to point B, what God wants to do. And apparently, in his word, it's redemptive history. So
0: So we've invited Brandon, or excuse me, he gets us, has invited Brandon to the table because of the way that they have arbitrarily and vaguely defined those who are part of their team. Mm -hmm. In doing so, They have now given a seat at the table to an individual who makes the claim that morals are subjective and evolving, evolving from what to what? Are they devolving because you say they're evolving, but they could very well just be devolving Uh, because you have no moral absolute to measure it by. You cannot create a device that actually demonstrates it going up or down. You can say, I like or I don't like, but you then put yourself in the standard to arbitrarily measure whatever you believe is moral or immoral. You've also demonstrated, Brandon, that you believe that God, the God of the Bible, is a moral sinner because you've now provided a definition of sin that traps Christ and, of course, the triune God of Scripture— into sinful acts because you've said that anything that harms God's creation is immoral and therefore sinful. We've presented to you multiple examples that Christ, God, we have not said the Holy Spirit, but we can also say, look, Samson, if you believe the book of Judges, Samson killed a whole bunch of people when the Holy Spirit came upon him. That harmed God's creation. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is a sinner. So it's inc- incredibly clear that this is a different God. But the problem is he gets this, has invited this guy to the table. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm
2: or access to some objective moral standard, because the truth is a majority of humanity has not and does not claim to have access to some clear objective law code.
1: Okay, there's your standard, because other people have not So what's your standard? And so this is mob rule. This is the the Demos. Either we're going to be incoherent uh, particulars, all fighting, or we're going to end up having to come together and melt into the one and lose our individuality. Um, So this is, again, Cornelius Van Til coming out, you know, um, but that's that's the one in many problem. And so um, the thing is, what is your standard? And so God has spoken. He has spoken out of necessity. He has spoken authoritatively by virtue. Um, He has spoken absolutely truthfully because that's his nature and who he is. He cannot deny himself. He cannot lie. And he's done it. He's given us sufficient information and he's been clear. He is totally clear and sufficient. It's just the fact that it's not sufficient to you, therefore it is not clear. And the clarity of Scripture is based on, well, this is the Philip Wright issue. Because because not everybody apparently gets it. And the only answer that I could give to that is, like, because you don't have the Holy Spirit. And that's whenever Philip's Wright here is went, because <gasps> basically I said, yeah, you're not filled with the Spirit, dude. That's what I said. And he actually took offense at that charge because he knows.
0: Exactly. He knows
1: the truth and he was offended. He didn't say, he didn't even, he, that's where Philip Wright stopped on that conversation. He didn't go, so you didn't, you don't think I'm full of the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, the evidence isn't there. That'd be my full answer. Of
0: evil spirit.
1: No, but he just took offense because he knew exactly what I was saying, because he he's not, He he, he doesn't get it, apparently. And the thing is, is even if you are saved, you're still going to struggle but you're going to fumble forward and then you're going to keep your faith and that's the actual perseverance of the saints where god actually is the one working and willing to, for your work and willing <laughs> amen the <laughs> so that's the whole uh, holy spirit thing there um so you know but that's the thing is to this guy it's all based on what other people what other people believe it's not based on, like god can't clearly speak and be authoritative and you have to accept it no we are gods. And so this becomes a polytheistic, um, internalized, like we are the gods. And so this is kind of the other side of like the Joyce Meyer saying that we are little gods, um, but a secularized uh, version of that.
0: But again, Brandon has no means by which to ever state beyond his own subjective belief that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We don't even know from Brandon's perspective uh, how he has any um, measure by which to know what Jesus said in scripture and what Jesus hasn't said, except for what he feels is good and what isn't. So here's the other problem once you open the, again, validate a seat at the table for someone like Brandon, you now have diminished the exclusivity of Christ because Brandon can't even tell you of the exclusivity of Christ, because he can't even know for sure that anything in the sacred writ was actually objectively and historically true
1: about Jesus. But I'm gonna say you're saying that they're giving a that he gets us gives him the seat at the table. No, he gets the seat at the head of the table to talk to you because mm again, modern lens. So, what this, what he is doing is the modern lens is, um, well, the enlightenment comes along. Um, so, you had more of a relevatory epistemology, then the enlightenment comes along and then reverses it. So, instead of God talking to man, it becomes man transcending themselves to figure out who God is. So, that's Spinoza and all, all those other guys, they had their version of like, well, looking at natural theology, not revelation, our our term is natural revelation, but looking at natural revel- theology, here's what God must be, and this is what he's doing. Yet, at the same time, since that's eating itself, you get into postmodernity to where he's into polyamory and all this other stuff, because the are bad. So this is more Buddhism than anything sort of smacking any, this is just the, this would be the Areopagus um, not going away. Whenever the the true God, the unknown God was preached to them, giving them Jesus, they still kept, they kept Jesus with the rest of the Pantheon. That's what's uh, going on these days. And so he's actually at the seat of the table using his modern lens to tell you who Jesus actually was, because you're wrong. If you read your Bible.
0: Well, the interesting thing is, and I don't, I, you know, again, uh, Dr. White and Jeff are uh, exceptional debaters, but by what basis would they even want to deal with Leviticus with Brandon? Um, All Brandon has to say is, well, that's not really scripture. That, why does he even try to validate what's going on in Leviticus 18 in that debate, right? Which we'll, we'll deal with that in the second half of this program which will come out next week. We're getting close here to our wrapping up of this program. We're almost done with this video. We'll wrap up and we'll jump into our next video. So uh, what we'll see, though, is they go to Leviticus 18. And if you watch the debate or listen to a part of it, they do that. My problem would be, Brandon, you've already told me that you don't believe that certain things in Scripture are true. Why are you even worried about trying to do any type of hermeneutical approach to Leviticus 18? You know why? Why? Because he doesn't have any type of consistency and knows that he has no consistency on what is truly Scripture and what isn't. He gets to pick and choose, and he knows that anyone will nail him down on saying, well, isn't that what Scripture says? See, he's demonstrating that we need God's revelation, and you have to go to it in some way. We'll hit play here. We're almost done with this piece.
2: Like the fundamentalist claim the Bible is, and yet we have created imperfect but gradually evolving laws and moral principles. You don't need the Bible.
0: How are they gradually evolving towards any type of improvement? How would you know that?
1: What is the telos? Um, It's not just about, like, if we think about what the Bible says about uh, eternity, and that uh, Satan and the false prophet, lake of fire, eternally, every day, dealing with God's wrath. And that all the people that follow them end up in the same place. And again, that's eternal conscious punishment. Sorry, annihilationist folks. Um, but uh, that's another topic for another day. But that means harm just generally is, the, and this is something a uh, part of the Gary DeMart <laughs> talk. Mm-hmm. But if that's true, if they are tormented day and night, forever, harm doesn't go away. Ah. Yeah. It just doesn't exist among God's people. So what does the tell us? And so the only way you can say different, you can't say better. Mm. So we've made different laws for different eras, but no, there's no way to say better. Unless if you have, so, I mean, you have a statistical uh, moment that you have idealized, but then that, that statistic, because you're appealing to people, can change in the future. So that becomes a new ideal that you then you try to evolve to. And so the only sort of baseline is a piece of jello that's going to be different in the future. So, again, unless if you appeal to Christ and then you get the standard of what did God first create, how did man ruin it? and then what are we being made into especially as Jesus comes saying I because he's the one that's reconciling in himself the world to himself that's what the father was doing through Jesus was reconciling the world to himself and so there is a reconciliation there is something to evolve to if in the the actual understanding of the word to change over time um more um, Christian language would be sanctification than evolving so evolving just brings that in that sort of baggage into the conversation but we can clear it out using biblical categories and Jesus's language um, that especially through the Holy Spirit that he gave his apostles that they used as well that we will be sanctified that the world is being sanctified that like creation is literally going to be reconciled, and because and they're groaning, it's creation's groaning until it sees the sons of men, right, the, the sons of God um, in glory with Christ, and so there is a telos, what is that, where are you getting it from, and if you're not getting it from an objective standard as the Bible, being God's word from start to finish, then again, you're going to be stuck in whatever the statistical idealistic norm is, I mean, this is just idealism that's already died a thousand deaths anyway um this is like are you postmodern or are you enlightenment which one which one do you want like if if we're just doing just bare philosophy which one
0: six more seconds of this video here i don't know if he has any nuggets there in the end Ah, nope that That was the end
1: (laughs) (laughs) so that's great yeah so again like we this is why this is kind of like the connected piece that, you know, Dave was bringing this and I was like, well, we kind of left it a cliffhanger, this puts flesh on it. So he says he is a follower of Jesus. Um, he's on a faith journey. He says he has lived experiences that'll come, come again. Um, in the, the next video with whenever gets into the debate and all that kind of stuff, you know, he, he says in the, definitely in the uh, time with Jeff and James um, he does say he believes Jesus is the son of God. Um, you can tell he's using a modern lens that'll come out as well. Um, and so here you have it. You have not the, just at the table, just an, an invitation. No, like this is the table you're invited to and the one that you're going to have to submit to if you believe the Bible is the word of God from uh, the expression Genesis to maps. Uh, That's right. That it's the inspired word of God um, and that it's inerrant. That it's necessary, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and, you know, absolutely true, and that's your presupposition, as Van Til would say, the presupposition of all predication is the triune God condescending and revealing himself to man. And you got to start there, or else you can't know or be able to live and move and have your being, basically. Um, so this is the table that you were invited to. Whenever it comes to this, he gets us uh, just by their terms. They can say otherwise, but you can be like, well, this is what you said on your website, and this is what I'm picking up. And here's how we can have a conversation, not shutting down conversation, but this is what you're going to walk into. And this is why it's important that we do this discussion and that Dave and I have this for ourselves um, so we can be prepared, be always be ready to make a defense. Right. And so this is the cultural moment. Um, we've got this, like, almost, uh, you know, th- it's just this universal God that we've always tried to create. Yeah. And, and so this is just the cultural moments, a uh, universal God is trying to create. And we, it's got money right now behind it. And it's going to be a part of our conversations down to the most uh, remote, rural American pew. And people are going to be talking about it. So.
0: And they're going to continue this type of vagueness and arbitrary language unless it's called out. If they're convictional people who operate he gets us, they're going to recognize mistakes, and they're going to correct for them. No, we don't mean that we invite, or we're a group of people who believe that Jesus is you know, just some great sage out there. No, no, that's all that this is pointing to, is Jesus is nothing more than a mere sage who was some type of moral uh, guy, but that's not who Jesus was, and you've been inconsistent in saying what you believe here's here's the massive inconsistency and I, I just have to state this remember at the beginning they said that he gets us was about what the biblical jesus and i think it's again right up here something about uh, and that might have been in the uh, in the about us but they said that they were for the biblical jesus and that is a very clear standard However, when they say that this is a diverse group of Jesus followers, and though not Christians, Christians don't accept the non—the biblical Jesus. Non-Christians have rejected the biblical Jesus. They have not taken his
1: word. says either you're for me or against me. Bingo. No neutrality. So somebody can be like—somebody can totally be like, well, I love his moral teachings— I love how I love the story of, uh, you know, the hero's journey. And, you know, it's like, OK, if you just watch Harry Potter, just enjoy that. Why do you need Jesus? Well, the thing is, you need Jesus because the knowledge of the Lord is going to be is going to be as the water ocean covers, you know, as the oceans cover or the water covers the ocean. You know, so the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth. And so, you know, you can't escape the knowledge of the Lord and you're going to have to attach yourself at some level because everything's being reconciled. And so that's why um, we have this problem. It's a good problem in a way, but it's also something that we cannot, uh, you know, we, we have to not, de- this is why Paul warns us against uh, vain philosophy and all this kind of stuff. And so we need to know the truth and the best uh, apologetic thing to do is um, the example of, do you find out about all the counterfeit bills or do you get to know what a real, bill looks like so when you see a counterfeit you can spot it because you know what a real one is so are we going to know the real jesus to be able to do these things and be like no 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 that's not the the biblical jesus at all passionate about
0: the authentic jesus of the bible yeah they don't care about the real jesus of the bible if they cared about the jesus of the bible and the authentic jesus of the bible then when they talked about their agenda sure i Ah, Can't get it there. Not able to scroll that. That's fine. That's fine. When they talked about their agenda, they would say, they wouldn't just say, though not Christian. People who are passionate about the Jesus of the Bible want everyone to seek and to say, wants Jesus to seek and to save that which was lost. They believe he was the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot say that those people are passionate about the true Jesus of the Bible if they reject him.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess uh, I'm we'll close curious. this one out, man. Yeah, and, uh... So, yeah. So, yes. Um, yeah, we, uh, we're, we're there. And then uh, just uh, hang with us for a week. Take this all in. If you haven't uh, listened to last week's episode, get to the He Gets Us, you know, question mark uh, episode, go back there remember this one and then we will get into uh the uh, next one i'll be wearing the same clothes next week they will be too at least if you're watching the video i wear this
0: hoodie a lot on mondays i realized i guess i um, i slum on mondays (laughs) yeah
1: well that's all right that's all right it's monday and you just preached a lot yesterday and you continue to serve your people so you can you can kind of slum a little bit and wear that uh, wet clothes and i'll 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 just wear my polyester it's all good so anyway with that said this is the taggerid podcast i'm ray ray
0: and i'm david van beper
1: soli Geo. gloria